Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari says the U.S. will likely have a slowing economy, but the country will avoid a recession. He told CBS's Face the Nation that U.S. inflation, the outlook is quite positive. The economy continues to surprise how resilient it is. That's a really good thing. The unemployment rate is still very low at 3.6%. Nonetheless, I'm not going to dismiss the hardship that Americans are feeling. High inflation for several years has really put a dent in people's pocketbooks. We're now starting to dig our way out of that. So we're making progress. Despite the positive inflation data, Kashkari said that the Fed's aggressive tightening campaign ending, it won't end without job losses. He said unemployment may reach 4%. On Friday, we'll get the closely watched U.S. jobs report. It's projected to show that hiring increased at a healthy yet more moderate clip. Kashkari said that the Fed will remain data dependent as it decides whether more rate hikes are in the cards. Well, as mentioned earlier, it's going to be a big week for U.S. earnings, including mega cap tech. The story from Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. Apple and Amazon are both scheduled to report quarterly results after the closing bell Thursday. Investors will be watching for more about Apple asking suppliers to keep iPhone shipments flat year on year. We're also hearing Apple expects revenue to grow through price hikes for iPhone Pro models instead going forward. Apple's reliance on Chinese manufacturing is also of concern because of sour relations between Washington and Beijing. And also investors will be interested in anything Apple has to say about AI. As for Amazon, Bloomberg intelligence says watch to see if strength in streaming and advertising will be offset by slowing consumer and enterprise spending also anything about online shopping and amazon's push into pharmacy and grocery will be of interest and shopify paypal qualcomm western digital and advanced micro devices also report this coming week along with pfizer and merck denise pellegrini bloomberg daybreak asia U.S. banks have been told to step up their contingency funding roadmaps. We get that story from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. Agencies, including the Federal Reserve and the FDIC, have told lenders to review their plans for filling funding needs in times of stress to ensure they have access to a range of liquidity sources. The issue was spotlighted by the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank earlier this year. The guidance is part of a bid by federal regulators to encourage financial institutions to incorporate the Fed's discount window as part of their contingency planning. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. We go to China next, where the government says it will soon announce new measures to boost consumption. The story from Bloomberg's Bonnie Ao in Hong Kong. These new directives follow a slew of other policies unveiled in recent weeks to revive the economy. Growth momentum weakened in the second quarter as the property market slumped. 
Just Friday, China laid out a plan to boost consumer industries. It also pushed efforts to grow an exchange dedicated to helping small firms get access to funds. Earlier this month, measures were introduced to lift sales of cars, electronic products and rural consumption. The new consumption package will be announced this afternoon in Beijing. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie L. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Meantime, France's finance minister, Bruno Le Maire, has called on Chinese companies to invest more in Europe. Bloomberg's Joanne Wong has that story from Hong Kong. Le Maire said his talks in Beijing were positive on a variety of topics such as agro-industry, finance and electric vehicles. He singled out EVs and other sectors that would help fight climate change. The two countries said they'd work together on improving the regulatory environment surrounding cosmetics. And they'd address concerns over intellectual property rights of French companies in China. Le Maire said he wants to get better access in China. He added that decoupling is not possible. More meetings will be held in France before the end of the year. Year. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And on that, Doug, Bruno Le Maire said that de-risking with China doesn't mean that China is a risk. So that's a further sort of softening of this whole idea of how much words matter in how countries characterize their dealing with China. So if you're de-risking and China's not a risk, uh, I suppose that's just what, diversification? <laughs> It's going to be very interesting to see what the government rolls out in terms of this new stimulus. And I was struck uh, by the news last Friday, Brian, as I'm sure you're well aware, that the Security Regulatory Commission in China unveiled a proposal to loosen some of the limits on market makers for the Beijing Stock Exchange. Now, this exchange was launched back in 2021, and the aim here was to create a broader financing for some of the small firms, particularly tech startups. And I'm wondering whether the government now is really leaning in on trying to revitalize the entrepreneurial spirit a little more. Well, that for sure, but to even have them push out measures uh, focused on uh, on markets, on stocks, and, and the bond market even is uh, really quite surprising because it's not something that uh, we've been used to, at least under this regime. Uh, and then if you look at uh, the, the environment uh, in the U.S., uh, we have a piece running, which I think is quite interesting, people can look for on the terminal, that it was the year that was supposed to be the year of the bond market has completely changed. Now it's being overrun by all this demand for equities and that it's launched a rally right through the world. Uh, and it sort of starts to make you think whether there's a, a new wall of worry to climb. Uh, investors worried about how much equities have rallied. Speaking of walls of worry, another story from the Bloomberg Terminal about Chinese firms lining up to invest in South Korea's battery industry. Now, the aim here is to kind of get around the Biden administration's efforts to limit China's involvement in the EV supply chain. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, another story that we can spend some time on this morning. And then there's this one, uh, that the new Barbie film is reigniting discussion in China about feminism and, and women's rights. And as you know, uh, there's not much in the way of roles for women in the power structure in China. So it comes at an interesting and opportune time. Now it's time for global news. Germany is warning officials, its own officials, that China is stepping up spying in the country. Ed Baxter has global news from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed. Yeah, when you go see Barbie, uh, Brian, we're endeavoring to get you a doll to take in with you. I'd love to, love it. And I'll wear a pink T-shirt. 
<laughs> there you go. Okay, yeah, as you say, Germany warning its officials about China stepping up spying. Notice says China significantly stepped up efforts to obtain intelligence information in recent years and has built up a worldwide network of contacts and uh, is constantly striving to expand it. Also warned companies of caution and restraint in any activities that could be interpreted as cooperation with a foreign secret service. China also getting a lot of attention on the U.S. campaign trail as well as a battle against fentanyl as well. A Republican candidate for president, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, says the China military prowess continues to be built, continues to buy up U.S. soil and property. She says that must stop. We wouldn't allow them to buy U.S. soil. We would take the, the land that they bought back from them. We would go and say, no more are we selling any sort of sensitive technologies that allow them to build up their military and threaten the U.S. We would stop that. We would tell our universities, you either take Chinese money or American money, but the days of taking both are over, and we get that Chinese infiltration out. Yeah, she says she would ban Chinese companies from having access to sensitive technologies, not do business with any companies involved in technology theft. As for fentanyl on CBS Face the Nation, as heard here on Bloomberg, says it must be addressed. The number one cause of death for adults 18 to 49, Margaret, is fentanyl. And don't think for a second China doesn't know what they're doing. So what I would do is say to China, we will end all normal trade relations with you when until you stop killing Americans. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer today says a bill that will dent fentanyl trafficking is ready to go. For years, Chinese laboratories have been cooking up formulas of death and freely trafficking legal fentanyl across New York and the United States, and this legislation can stop them dead in their tracks. Schumer says the bill will allow the president to declare a state of emergency with the ability of putting sanctions on China and on Mexico as well. U.S. will give Taiwan $345 million in arms services and training using a fast-track authority that it has relied on to speed up arms to Ukraine. U.S. and Australia have reached an agreement to expand the U.S. military footprint as both countries bolster defense ties in response to China. China's central government telling local officials in Beijing and other areas of the north to be prepared for flooding. Donald Trump's political action committee spent $40.2 million on legal costs in the first half of this year. Bloomberg sources say the group Save America is set to disclose the amount in a filing tomorrow. New York Times says the money is significant enough that it could cause a potential money crisis for the campaign. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street. The promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Rashad Salamat in London, and our guest is Steve Sosnick, Chief Strategist at Interactive Brokers. 
Steve, I almost don't know where to start. We've we've got a pretty quiet VIX at 13. Uh, we've got the bond market that's been pretty steady here of late, uh, trapped uh, with yields trapped in a tight range. Equities that have been pretty positive. Uh, we talked about how there might be a new wall of worry, and that being that equities have gained too much too soon. Um, how do you stand on that point? Um, well, good morning, Brian, and thanks as always for having me. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually sort of of that same belief that um, you know, the thing we have to fear most is the lack of fear. You know, I, I, if you go back to the old saying, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy, well, you know, I think we're at a very greedy period right now and, and with very little fear being displayed. And, and, and you, you know, there's million, many different ways to do it, VIX being one and probably the most prominent. Uh, but that, that starts to be concerning, is it time then, if it is concerning, Steve, to perhaps uh, change your outlook, perhaps look uh, elsewhere, perhaps look at different asset classes, perhaps emerging markets instead? Uh, Rashad, I think that's that's. I think one should always be looking at alternatives. I think you know, especially when something's been working so well for so long, um, you know, it's tough to move away. It's tough to it's tough to to fight the momentum. And I'm not really saying do that, but. Yes, I think that makes sense. I, I think, if nothing else, you, you know, you have 10-year U.S. yields above 4%. You have, you know, short-term rates, of, you know, at, at 5 or, or, you know, the very short-term rates above 5. So there is an alternative. There are places to put your money that, that, that can be safe if you think that stuff is going to come up. And we are, you know, a month away from what's always been a seasonally tricky time um, for global equities, particularly in the U.S., does it feel a little like it's still going to run, though, for a while, maybe through August, uh, and then maybe then the mood might change? Um, it does feel that way. You know, it, 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 right now the momentum is so strong. And, and, you know, for example, we, you know, we had that big bounce back on Friday, but, um, you know, after, after the BOJ um, move. But, but it turns out, you know, the, the, the kind of little mini freakout we had Thursday afternoon uh, was, was, I think, in many ways emblematic of what happens when people are caught off guard. And I think so many people, you know, are, are on one side of the trade right now. You know, they, they really flipped out, you know, Thursday afternoon yeah. in a very short period of time, not necessarily even knowing why, because I don't think everybody fully appreciated that, that it was the Nikkei story driving, driving the market lower here. Oh, certainly beforehand, everybody knew what was going on with the Nikkei report, but they didn't know exactly what was going to come out. And it, it, the gyrations of the market gave you a sense that, hang on a second, are they or are they not abandoning YCC? In many ways, this is the first the precursor to them doing it, but really they couldn't make sense of it. And I think that the, uh, the yen's behavior of a course of about 20 minutes was actually emblematic of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's fascinating because last, uh, I guess, two Fridays ago, um, you know, I, 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 was on, I was actually on Bloomberg Television um, in the States and in the U.K., and, you know, it was right after there was a different story saying that they weren't going to change their YCC policy at all. And so, you know, I was asked and I said, oh, you know, BOJ should be the most interesting one, but it seems like they won't be. Then, you know, then fast forward a week and, you know, it's, you know they, they, they do what they said they weren't, what was reported they weren't going to do originally. And the market's just flipped out. They're, they're having, it, was, it was very minor uncertainty, but it's interesting how... Um, how spooked, you know, some real uncertainty got the marketplace. And that, to me, it, it doesn't mean that it's time to abandon ship, but it tells me you've got to be a lot more wary uh, because, because people really do um, react very, um, 
the, the, we turn from we turn from greed to fear very very quickly. Do, do you think turn it right around again? Can we sniff out a little bit of uh, coordination efforts here between or among the Fed, the ECB, and the BOJ? Because it looks like you've got the Fed and the ECB maybe moving into a little bit of a of an easing, uh, not not necessarily easing, but easier than where they were. And that maybe, you know, they're always worried about markets running up. So maybe it's time for the BOJ to hint at, just hint at getting uh, a little bit more hawkish. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the BOJ, you know, uh, sort of the last um, easy central bank, you know, last domino to fall, so to speak. You know, I, I think the rhetoric coming out of the, the Fed and the ECB is very much like, you know, all right, we're not really going to raise rates, but we're leaving it on the table. But the problem is when they have to, they have to be very assiduous in their rhetoric because traders, if traders hear that there's some chance that they might not raise rates or that they might be easing, well, then they take that to heart and run with it. And we saw that, you know, after Powell's comments, what we saw early Thursday was, was basically, you know, he said we might raise, we might not raise, and more or less Lagarde said the same thing, and the markets heard, oh, we might not raise. That's wonderful. And, and off we went. So they, you, the rhetoric will have to continue. And I think that, and now I think it's interesting that the BOJ is sort of on that same rhetorical side. Well, absolutely. And it's interesting, you, you know, you went Powell switch from Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold, to Hamlet, to raise or not to raise, which is what <laughs> Lagarde is also echoing. Whereas, and I just want to just carry on with the same sort of theme here. Richard III, my kingdom for a horse. That's what everybody in China is screaming for with regard to stimulus. It's not just China. I think global markets are screaming. You know, they, they they are so eager for Chinese stimulus, and I, and you know the the story the story that uh, you know about the the regulators calling in the brokers and and trying to prop up the market. That is the stuff that that you know that's that's what traders want to hear is you know anything, any stimulus any stimulus. But we've been disappointed by Chinese stimulus before. I think everybody was expecting this big COVID recovery would happen just organically. It didn't. I think when it happened, hasn't happened. The markets have been itching for some some sort of sign that the, that there would be real stimulus from China, and up till now it's been baby steps. So I think you know if there's overt, um, manip- I'm not going to say manipulation, overt um, goosing of the stock market, shall we say? Um, traders want to hear that sort of thing. Whether or not it's the right policy, whether or not it's it's going to be long term effective, any move that stimulates markets is is just being you know, lapped up by, by traders eagerly. Yeah. Well, Rish asked you about emerging markets earlier, and, and I think we can note that EEM has had a nice bounce here. And uh, and stocks like Tencent and Alibaba have had something like a 10% bounce uh, in there. Um, how, how strong could this phase be about money, perhaps, um, rather than going back to the bond market, if it eases out of U.S. stocks, that it feeds into uh, emerging market stocks? That really becomes a question of, of does the risk on trade that we're seeing broaden? And if, and if it does broaden, emerging markets are a natural beneficiary of that. Um, and especially if, um, if, if we really do skirt a recession, well, if we skirt a recession in the, you know, in the G7 countries, or at least in the U.S., you know, the emerging markets are definitely benefit from that from that type of from that type of economic environment and that type of risk on thinking so yeah you you do have to be considering um you know smaller smaller economies risk on markets you know the dollar 
you know, the, the dollar is not as much of a headwind as it's been to a lot of them as well, which, which is another good sign. So yeah. um, it, it's, it's clearly something to keep in mind. Okay, Steve, we got really one time for one more question. We don't want to steal too much time from uh, Ed Baxter, although he did have me carrying a, a Barbie doll into uh, the movie theater. But uh, anyway, uh, number one pick here. What's the best way to make money over the next few weeks? Um, I, think, I think what you want to do for the next couple of weeks is start to diversify. I think if you're in stocks and making money, I think you don't necessarily run for the exits, but I think you start to hedge your bets, whether that's with options or volatility trades, and, and moving into a little bit of fixed income, just broadening your portfolio out a little bit, getting a bit more defensive, because yeah. I think we've had this great run, and I, it, it, I want to see it persist, but I want people to be a little less risk risk-taking, little more risk-averse. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.